All right, we're we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> okay, I'm Kayla. And I'm Helene. And this is High Crime. Yes, it is. And Do I'm... you like how we play with co-stars coming and going? N- no one likes it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. They want us all to be together well, forever. Yeah, and that would be ideal, but schedules exist and things get in the way and it's all right. Yeah. Life happens. Life Jamie happens. Is wonderful. Jamie is a wonderful human and she needs, we all need to be on the podcast together. My borderline personality disorder is really acting up today. So <laughs> I'm just really craving not being abandoned by my friends. Um, I relate to that because I feel like everyone I know is either out of town or at work or at a play today. And I'm like, I'm going to go to an event later by myself because I literally can't find a person to go with me. I feel like we need to talk about that more. Like all the times that like uh, all our friends bail on us. And then when you talk about it with people, they're like, oh, yeah, my friends always bail on me. I have a friend. She's like really smart. She makes three plans. For every time she plans to go out, she's a lawyer, so she has, like, organization down to a T. Mm -hmm. She makes three plans because she knows that at least two of those people are going to bail. So That's kind of – that's smart, but it's kind of bleak. I mean, she's, like, a very realistic person. Um, But then sometimes we have to combine plans, and that actually ends up being more fun because then you meet new people. However, I do have to say that we are a bailout society – like, we need to acknowledge the stuff that we do alone and, like, how everyone, like, gets abandoned by their friends when we're all, like, sitting alone and, like, eating, like, I don't know, chips. And we're like, this is great. Yeah. Um, But we – but, like, listeners, we – we Kayla and I both have a lot of friends and I feel the need to tell you that now because now you're probably like, these sad old bitches <laughs> – and, and I just want you to know that we're like really, really popular and well liked. Yeah, like it's by funny. Me. Like the amount of people I've talked to is a lot, but they literally everyone is like, "Oh, I had to work today. Oh, I'm out of town." Um, I think it's the Fringe Festival right now in LA, so a lot of people are going to those shows. And I'm like, I just want to go look at pretty vintage dresses and drink themed yeah. cocktails. <laughs> I told. I told a date today. I was like, listen, sometimes I like to do things like by myself. I literally, I'll take myself out to dinner. I'll march in a parade by myself. Then you're not like beholden to anybody or anybody's bullshit. I mean, I love going to the movies by myself. And actually, after I go to that event, I'll probably do that. Okay. Let's get to the story because I know we both have places to be. Oh, yeah. So, no, just. So let's go back to 1922. Ooh. It's a time when such a thing as an apron magnate exists. I love it already. So that, yeah, the apron magnate was Fred Osterich. God, I should have looked up how to say that. Oh, well. He's found dead in his Los Angeles mansion. (gasps) But that's not even the weirdest thing about the scene. The late man's wife, who has a very long name, Walburga nicknamed Dolly Osterich, <laughs> was found screaming in a closet which had been locked from the outside. Jesus. Yeah. So now, of course, since she was the only person alive in the house, a.k.a. the murder scene, 
at the time, then she becomes the main suspect. It, I mean, it makes sense. It's logical. Plus, they always say, you know, it's always the husband or, in this case, wife because, you know, it goes both ways. It's usually the spouse. Yeah. But they couldn't – what they couldn't figure out is how could she have been the murderer when she was locked in a closet? Um, this this is something that uh, – something that I'm – wait, what was I saying? I'm interested to hear why she's in the closet and how she murdered him. But did she – I have to listen to you to find out. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, so this isn't a supernatural case. You know, we already covered the Warrens. So we know someone had to do it. It wasn't me. But who? It wasn't well, me. It turned, huh? No. No. No, we weren't alive. It, although it is in Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles, but it is 2019, not 1922. So here we go. Turns out Dolly had a lover named Otto Sandy. These names, sorry, these names really like roll right off your tongue. Oh my god, I know. It's you should see the spelling too. Like it's just very interesting. Walburga, I honestly never heard that name before. Like it's kind of like Wahlburgers, like that place that Mark Wahlberg and his brothers own. I was thinking about that the whole time. I was like, don't say it, Helene. Don't say it. And actually, it's almost like, because don't they have, like, act Boston accents? So it's like, Wolburga. <laughs> yeah, so that's her name. But she goes by Dolly. So when you hear me say Dolly, that's who All I'm right. talking about. So she had this secret lover. He'd been living in the attic of their L.A. mansion for years, which is, like, insane. But this wasn't even the first time he lived in an attic. Wow, he's he likes hidden spaces. Yeah, he's so his whole life he made his whole life about hiding away to be a sex slave for Dolly. Amazing. Remember, this is the fucking twenties. I love it. I love it. I'm amazed. I'm appalled. Yeah, he is a thirsty bitch. What a great little pet. Like a great little pet. I mean, I will tell you so much more about how thirsty she I is. I am so excited. Please tell me more. <laughs> So before the couple had moved to Los Angeles, they lived in a in a home in Milwaukee that, guess what, also had an attic. What? Yeah. See, Dolly and Fred's marriage wasn't that great. Uh, he apparently drank too much, and Dolly was sexually unsatisfied. Mm. And actually, I found this quote um, from the LA Times writing about her when they covered everything in, like, the 30s. And they said – her eyes and her appetites would bring a long line of men into her life and send one to his death. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, I love that. So everything, this crazy story began in 1913 when Dolly asked Fred to send one of the factory repairmen to fix her sewing machine. Mm. Hello. But when... But when 17-year-old Otto arrived, Dolly, who was 33 at the time, answered the door wearing only her stockings and a silk robe. No, Dolly, don't be a creep. Dolly, she was, and their affair began. I'm sorry. I was singing. Oh, what were you singing? I was like, Dolly, don't be a weirdo. That sounds very like a song that could be on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Billy, don't be a hero. I was <laughs> elongating the note so that we don't get copyright infringement. Oh, okay, fair. I think also if it's under 30 seconds. Oh, right. Yeah. 
That but def- um, so yeah, that's when their affair started. But the neighbors started to become suspicious of this man who was sneaking in and out of the Osterich. I don't. I already forget how I pronounced it the first time. But But regardless, the neighbors become suspicious because they're seeing this young man, like, and young, he's 17. They're seeing him sneak in and out of the house when Fred isn't around. So clearly something's going on. Yeah, that clearly there's not just, no one has like a hot, uh, young repairman just running around. 24 hour repairs. 24-hour repairs, just running around, like, all nervous and, uh, you know, suspiciously. Because you know that guy was, like, trying his best to be, like, you know, Like, whistling, like, oh, I'm so normal. Yeah, and being like, yes, I'm here to repair the uh, milk carton, obviously. (laughs) And you're like, what? Dude, come on. Keep it up. (laughs) So they knew they needed to do something about this before Fred found out. And, of course, the logical move in this situation would be to have your lover quit his job or their job, leave his own residence to come live permanently in your attic. Wait. No, that's that's not sane at all. No. That's literally – To go strange. from I'm hitting on my repairman to I'm having an affair with my repairman to please live in my attic and become my sex slave forever, like – Yeah, like quit your job, leave wherever you are living, full on spend your whole life in my attic. And that he was like, this is is why there are laws now that prevent these kind of relationships because a 17-year-old has no, like, their brains are not formed. He was like, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Guess what? It's not a good idea. You're going to murder someone. Well, no, because... They've done studies on solitary confinement. Like, it's fucked up. Even if he's, like, getting sex every day, there's only one person he can talk to, and it's only, like, whenever she finds time to come see him. So that's just a lot of time in what I imagine is probably not well lit and very alone. Yeah, that's really sad. Hot people should never be alone. (laughs) Anyway, I, I take all the best lessons from all of these murders. Perfect. That's what we're here for. Yeah. So, like, nevertheless, even though this was an insane idea, Otto was down and he moves into her attic. Now, I don't know how fucking good Dolly must be in bed, but, again, he follows her plan, quits his job, moves into her attic. And the thing I need you to understand is, like, they have a ton of money, but it's not like she set up, like, some fancy little apartment for him, like she's some politician. Like, He's literally living in the attic, climbing around through the crawl space in the walls, like freaking Bob in that episode of Bob's Burgers. That's an homage to The Shining. Yeah. Like this is not, this is very much not Lux. Like he is straight up living in an attic. Um, I, yeah. So can he leave? This is what I want to know. Can he leave the attic or he literally just has to stay there 24 hours a day? Well, so I think that when Fred was gone, he would help Dolly with the housework and stuff like that. But he really spent most of his time in the attic because he couldn't – like he couldn't just come in and out because then it would be the same issue. Why is he there? And like he made bathtub gin. He wrote Pulp Fiction short stories and I think Dolly would take them 
from him and get them published under a pen name. Uh, he did a lot of reading. But yeah, it sounds like he really spent the majority of his time because he couldn't be anywhere that he could be seen. That's terrible. He should have like worn a, a cool hat like they did in the... Well, that wasn't till the 40s where you get those like big brimmed hats, like detective hats. Oh, yeah. He could have also like... I don't understand... He should have just been like a pool boy where you could be outside. You know what I mean? Or meet at a hotel or something. Yeah. Let put him up put him up in a hotel, Dolly. Come on, treat this boy right. He's your sex slave. Treat yeah, your well, son well. Well, she didn't, and he spent ten years in the attic of their Milwaukee home. And oh. it sounds like it was hell. Like he'd like I said, he'd see Dolly every day. But otherwise, he just had a small cot and he spent his time reading and making bath chub gin. And Dolly was the only person in that 10 years that he ever spoke to. He literally didn't see another living soul during that time. And later, he was interviewed afterwards. He said that he grew to love Dolly the way a boy loves his mother, which is really gross since she was fucking him. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, it was really bad. And yeah, exactly. Stockholm Syndrome because she brought him food because he couldn't – he wasn't really making money. She'd give him like dimes and nickels from his stories. Who knows how much they were actually earning. I mean, probably not a lot, but still. And yeah, she provided everything for him that he needed because he – again, he couldn't leave. So he had to completely depend on her for everything. Yeah, this was a very poorly thought out plan, Dolly. Or she was just a psycho who needed ultimate control. Yeah, maybe just like really narcissistic. Yeah, I have issues with those types. Yeah, I think they are problematic, especially if they're keeping a teenage sex slave in their attic. Um, so by 1918, Otto had been in the attic for five years already. And while Fred clearly didn't know what was happening. He knew that something was going on. He'd hear noises coming from the attic. His cigars would go missing. He thought he was seeing shadows walk by the door some nights, the bedroom door. And he he honestly just thought he was losing his mind. Like he thought he was going crazy because of course Dolly's not going to mention any of this because she knows what it is. And so he thought he was just losing it. Honestly, I feel like that's anybody who's been cheated on where you're like, is this real? Am I imagining it? Is there a ghost? Am I being haunted? (laughs) Like, what is going on? And then you're like, oh, right. My spouse or my partner is fucking someone else. Now it all makes sense. Anyway. (laughs) So he decides that, of course, if you're losing your mind, the best solution is to move to Los Angeles where everyone is sane. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And as we know, that didn't help things because, of course, their location wasn't the issue. The ghost, whatever it was, followed him to L.A. And Dolly ensured that would happen because she only agreed to the move once she made sure that their new house would also have an attic. Wow. She couldn't do like a fun guest house or something? Nope. Straight up the attic. And she sent now 22-year-old Otto ahead so he could get nestled into his new sex den before Fred arrived. 
Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So the move obviously didn't help things because, again, the location wasn't the issue in this marriage. Uh, The marriage continued to fall apart. Fred drank more than he ever did before. To be fair, this is probably because he thought he was going crazy. But nevertheless, the arguments between him and Dolly started, they just got worse and worse until the point where they became violent. Oh, no. Domestic violence is not cool. No. Okay. So, yeah, they they were fighting more and more. They were getting physical. On August 22nd, 1922, Fred and Dolly broke out into a particularly brutal fight. And Otto, because, of course, he was always there, he heard the argument. He started to worry for Dolly's safety. He grabs Fred's gun, runs downstairs, clearly takes Fred by surprise because he didn't fucking know there was another person in their house, and shoots him. He shoots him three times right in the chest, and Fred died instantly. Dang. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you also were kept in an attic for 10 years and the only person who you spoke to was in danger, you would probably also kill the person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, Dolly's all he knows. She, She's like his wife and his mom. She's everything to him. So, of course, he's going to defend her. Because especially, especially, again, because he's in his 20s at this point, but she has been grooming him for this basically since he was a teenager. That's so awful and sick. I'm so – yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so none of them obviously want to go to jail – So they set up their own crime scene, and their story was that a robber came in, shot Fred, stole his diamond watch, and then locked Dolly in the closet. That is a story. It it definitely is a group of words put together. Yes. Words. Things. (laughs) Once they sorted out their plan and set up the evidence to match it, and by set up the evidence, I mean the watch that he supposedly stole. She literally just like hit it. Wow. Like, just like put it somewhere else and was like, oh, they stole his diamond watch. I guess there was just like one watch that he had that everybody knew was fancy because that apparently was enough for the cops. Um, who So once Otto had gone back into his attic hideaway, Dolly began to scream. The neighbors called the cops. And then we go back to where I started, which is the police get there. Dolly's the only suspect, but they really can't figure out how she could have murdered someone if she was in the closet. Yeah. Which is, to be fair, is right of them to think because she didn't murder anyone. Exactly. They, of course, did not know about Otto. So. So she inherits her husband's millions and she goes and buys herself a new home with, you guessed it, a spacious attic. She still keeps him in the attic after she's single? Yes. Her husband is dead, and they move into a bigger house, and he is still in the fucking attic. I'd be so pissed. I would be like, no, I killed your husband like you wanted. I get full house privileges now. He's probably just so – he's probably so malleable at this point because he depends on her for literally everything, so he probably doesn't feel like he has a bargaining chip even though he could just leave. I think that's the, honestly, that does speak to the kind of um, cycle of abusive relationships because oh, it yeah. takes away your agency to a point where you're like, well, if I do anything, it'll make them mad and I can't have them go away and then this and that and, you know, poor yeah. Otto. Exactly. 
Exactly. But even though she had Otto, Dolly the sex machine was apparently not satisfied by her daily visits with him, so she started dating her lawyer, Herman Shapiro. Oh, wow. How'd that end up? How'd that go? Well, well, since she she's just so confident at this point because it's like she's been getting away with this shit for years, for decades. So she's just being – she's like, you know, there's that quote. I, I don't know the exact wording, but it's like Ted Bundy and he's saying, you know, when you first murder, it's – you know, it's like the first time you change a tire, like you're, you're, you know, every step and you're counting everything you're doing and it's a whole process. And he's like, by the last one, you know, you forget where the wrench is, which is like such a weird cavalier way to describe it. And I definitely just fucked up that quote, but that's what she's like. Like, she's just like, she feels like she's untouchable. So she just starts giving shit away. So she gives Herman the diamond watch that she claimed had been stolen when her husband died which was the only thing that made it a robbery gone bad as opposed to a murder. Wow. Exactly. So Herman's like, uh, yeah, isn't this Fred's watch? And legit, she's just like, oh, it's not a big deal. I just, I, I thought it was taken, but then I found it under a couch cushion later, but there's no reason to call the cops about it. (laughs) Or to tell the cops about it. Listen, I know you found this, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know how you get, you can't really get away with murder unless you can, but don't. Yeah. No, she must have this woman and her freaking magical vagina. He agrees. He listens to her and decides not to say anything. No. Oh, Harry? Harvey? Herman. Herman. No, Herman. Don't. Oh, and the best part is we're not even done yet. So while she has her sex slave in the attic, She's sleeping with her lawyer. She's also having an affair with a third lover, Roy Klum, who she asks to dispose of weapons in the La Brea tar pits. <gasps> yeah, she tells him she tells him that she she even though she didn't kill her husband, she happened to have a gun that looked very much like the one that did kill him. So she wanted to get rid of it because she wouldn't want to have any reason to make it look like she did something that she didn't do. And he fucking listens and throws the gun into the La Brea tar pit. Wow. I feel like this also speaks to narcissist power of confidence. Like you were saying. Oh, yeah. The audacity. Like, because someone would be like, oh, all right. Because if someone was like, hey, listen, um, I've got this gun and uh, people think I murdered my husband. But like, I really didn't and this and that. But like, if you're like, hey, guy fuck me and also drop this murder weapon in the La Brea tar pits. I'll suck your dick. You know, well, here's the thing though. She also gave the same story to her neighbor who she was not sleeping with and asked him to bury it in his backyard. And again, he did. I, I mean, the power of charm cannot, can't like, I totally, have been in situations where I've done things that I literally should never have done. And it's done. It's asked by someone super charming. And then you're like, yes. And then all of a sudden you're in a graveyard at 3am shoveling dead bodies into a pit. You know what I mean? I really sincerely hope that was not an actual personal anecdote. No, that was a but- joke. <laughs> I know. Okay, good. Well. <laughs> um, yes. But of course you, I mean, you can't count on someone to keep your secret if you're going to dump them. So 
when she and Roy broke up, he got all salty, went to the cops, said he tossed the gun in La Brea Tar Pits. And right around the same time, the neighbor turned in the gun too. So there were two guns and they turned them both in. And the police arrest Dolly in 1923, but it still doesn't make any sense. How did she murder him from locked inside the closet? Yeah. Do they, when do they find out about our, our poor little Otto? Oh, there's so much more to come. Oh my God. So this bitch, she just keeps pushing your luck. So during the hearings, she asks her lawyer, the one who already knows about the watch not ever having been stolen, she asks him to bring food to her attic for her vagabond half-brother. And once again, he fucking agrees. So he goes to her house, to her attic, to bring Otto food. But what... What she wasn't counting on was Otto. I mean, he loses his fucking mind because this is the first time in, what, 10 years or more that he actually has someone else to talk to who isn't Dolly. Wow. So he tells them everything. He tells them all the details of their sexual affair, tells them about how long he's been in the attic. And Herman is like, what the fuck? And he kicks him out. And Otto takes off and goes to Canada to, like, hunker down, I guess, for a little bit. Um. That's literally so insane, where he's like, fuck, hi, I've been trapped in an attic as a sex slave, and now I'm going to Canada, where no one will bother me. Well, and the fact that this lawyer just keeps getting told all this crazy shit and just keeps being like, okay, well, you leave, you get out of here, and then you won't be here. Okay, but like, what about the rest of the shit he told you? I mean, gotta say, he's in the, he's in the palms of a sweet narcissist. What are they? Um, there's an episode of Happy Endings, which I think is one of the most underrated shows ever. It's so funny. It's like Friends, but takes place in Chicago, and it's just so fucking clever. It's one of my favorite shows. And there's an episode where they're talking about this girl that one of the characters is dating, and he keeps trying to kind of break it off, but then he ends up at brunch, and it's like, oh, it's not just brunch. Surprise, it's her grandmother's birthday. And like he just keeps getting drugged along to different events. And then, of course, it turns out that they both wanted to break up with each other and they both thought the other person was, like, the clingy one. But regardless, Damon Wayans Jr. says that this character fell into chick sand. Chick sand? Chick sand. Like, quicksand. And I feel like Otto and Herman fully fell into some chick sand. Oh, absolutely. They're drowning in some chick sand. Who hasn't? Especially Otto, because he's a fucking lawyer. Like, at least – or not Otto, sorry. Herman. Otto at least was a teenager, and he's he's his head is so fucked up at this point from everything she's done to him. But Herman is a goddamn full-grown man who's a lawyer, and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't, doesn't tell the cops anything because he's so freaking enchanted with Dolly. And the guns that everybody turned in, they couldn't provide it really any evidence because at the time, or by that time, they were all rusted. So – because they couldn't really prove anything still, they release Dolly on bail and Herman moves in with her because he has no problem apparently with how she orchestrated a scheme so that she and her lover didn't get in trouble after her husband was murdered. Oh my God. This man will do literally anything for getting laid. He is one of those people who he will literally like 
be an accomplice in murder if he's getting some at the end of the day. And there are so many people like that that we cannot count. It's too hard to do a census on it. (laughs) Yes, and that's honestly how he was because much like Roy, he had no problem keeping all of these secrets for all these years that he was dating Dolly and then when he was living with Dolly until 1930 when their relationship ended all of a sudden, butthurt Herman is suddenly has a conscience and wants to tell the police about Dolly's lover. Suddenly, after the breakup. That sounds like everyone. That yeah. sounds like a lot of like the end of queer relationships where like everyone is posting Instagram. Well, that's like every relationship. But like I notice it in in the community and I'm like, wow. And then they're like, she stole a million dollars from Wells Fargo and I know it. And you're like, damn, I thought you guys were perfect. I guess not. Yeah. Life is a lie, but um, life is a lie. But if you uh, cover up a crime for your significant other and you only talk about it when you break up and feel jaded, uh, jilted, you need to see a therapist pronto. You're not trying to do the right thing. You're just pissed that she dumped you. Exactly. You don't care that someone got murdered. You're just like, I've been dumped, which honestly- Also, maybe let's not help our significant others frame crimes. Exactly. If you have, even if you have a hot significant other who's really good in bed, don't um, let them get away with murder just because they're sexy, because it's happened too many times in this world and no pussy and no dick is worth being- Um, charged with an accomplice of murder no and if you're you know thinking that you have a conscience maybe you have to live with that it's not worth it yeah I do wonder how people live with certain things that they do and you're like did you really do that because you shouldn't have (laughs) yes that is very true and in a case of supremely bad timing Otto had just moved back to Los Angeles when Herman finally tells on them. And so they're both arrested and the papers went nuts with this story because it's, I mean, it's only 1930. So that's, this is really scandalous and salacious. So they are just, I mean, every cover story, they're just following them around, taking pictures. Like it exploded. Scandalous affair. Front page news. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, you you know, you're like, oh, okay, so this is where they finally get her, right? It has to be. Right? They get her? Sort of. Mary Kay Letourneau goes to jail? <laughs> so Otto was found guilty of manslaughter, but at the time, the statute of limitations for manslaughter was just seven years. Wow, you would think. I mean, that was really the time to murder someone if you had to. Yeah. yeah. It's really crazy. Only seven years. And at the time, it had been eight years since Fred's death. So all the charges were dropped. Wow. And then they didn't really have anything against Dolly then. And so she's acquitted. Forever? Yeah. Wow. So like she just lives on in infamy? Yeah. This bitch, she gets acquitted. She buys or no, she finds another new lover They live together for like 30 years, eventually get married. And in 1961, she died a free woman. Wow. I'm mad at that. I'm like, she got her husband murdered. She had a sex slave teenager who she 
groomed and mind melded and she made other men um, become accomplices through her narcissism. Yep. I do not like this woman. She is not she's not good for feminism. No, and the thing is too is sometimes I find myself when I hear about female serial killers, sometimes you just like like I'm not condoning murder ever, but sometimes I just want these women to get away with it because they have like they go through all this shit and it's like their only way out and like for example Eileen Wernos I know she was fucking nuts but I feel bad when I listen to her story because every time she did try to do something good life spit in her face like she literally had no chance do I condone her killing those men no of course not but I do believe that at least one of them probably raped her I mean she was she people didn't count her as a citizen when she was in high school she was homeless but still going to school and the only reason she stopped is because she was like caught I think smoking with some other some boy or something because even as a young teenager she would trade sexual favors for like cigarettes and the principal like screamed at her wow and she was like fine fuck you I'm not coming back then so it's like she – there was definitely a time that she really, really tried. And, of course, like we'll do an episode on her later and actually go into her story. But, you know, it's like that Blake Lively movie, um, Simple Favor or something. Yes. I know what you're – the Paul Fugler. I don't know. I liked that movie. But I um, found myself, like, even though I, – I won't say who, but there's someone in the movie who – arguably obviously does a bad thing but I'm still like rooting for her because it's just like I don't know sometimes you're just like fuck this system man but but I just I mean Dolly just does not she no she is not one of those situations no I I really yeah there are a lot of not a lot but several female murderers who I'm like yeah yeah he had it coming. He had it coming. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> but then in this one, I'm like, no. Burn her. Burn her. No. So messed up. So, yeah, she ended up having her life was great. She got away with it all. Of course, things didn't work out so well for Otto. The press vilified him. Even though she was the one who orchestrated this whole situation, he became known as the Batman of Los Angeles. Wow. But I also just need to point out real quick so we really understand this situation. We're not talking like Ben Affleck here. Like, thank goodness. I still haven't seen anyone, any movies with Ben Affleck as Batman. Mm-hmm. But no shade to Ben Affleck. I do. I mean, I like him generally. Except mm-hmm. he probably cheated on Jennifer Garner. And I'm really not okay with that because she is a beautiful, sweet baby angel. I am so mad about that. Jennifer Garner is a strong, sassy, beautiful woman who deserves the She's a fucking pie-fi. And she's a pie-fi, which we were both in. And also, I have heard that she's bitchy, but I like that because she's in control. She's a femme top. Let her do her thing. Let her be independent. Don't feel like she's taking away your shine. She's a wonderful person and a loving mother. And Ben Affleck really fucked up. I have feelings about this situation. I see that. What about the children? You are very passionate about it. He left her for a nanny. That's so fucking cliche. Ben Affleck, you are better than this. Okay, I will also say, why do so many celebrity couples have hot, young, blonde nannies? Yes, I, I say the same exact thing. I'm like, literally hire, I don't know. A, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hire, <laughs> hire a friendly old lady who like, 
you know, has experience actually raising children and isn't just hot and is something to do when your wife isn't around. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't have agreed. I would have been like, yeah, we're not getting an au pair from Sweden. We're going to get Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Schneiderman, Mrs. Schneiderman, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Smithson, uh, who's gonna watch our kid. And she, you know, has been a nanny for like 20 years. And she um, also like once cooked for the US Army and like, things like that. Like I need I, I need like a sturdy old lady that I am inspired by and believe in who also my spouse wouldn't be like, yeah, I'd tap that. 100%. And again, like if you're a nanny, like, no, we're not talking shit on you. But just that situation was so dumb and messed up. But I've gotten so off topic. The point was that superhero comics weren't a thing yet in 1930. Uh-huh. At least according to the articles that I read. And so this was very much like it wasn't B-A-T-M-A-N. It was B-A-T space M-A-N because they were literally comparing him to like a bat hiding up in the attic like the beginning of Jumanji and they like he I think before this all got out I think he kind of saw himself as this like love struck romantic you know he wrote all these pulp fiction stories and he was hidden away for his lover but that is not how the public saw him they thought he was a sexual deviant they thought he was a creep no poor Otto go back to Canada Yeah, the deputy district attorney even called him a perjurer of his own soul. No! Mm -hmm. Pobrecito, as Jamie would say. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, I don't know. This is very much a situation wherein the bad guy got away with it. Just full stop. The legal system failed the citizens' protection once again. Yep. And and in 1930, the L.A. Times wrote, Nothing in fiction is more dramatic than the story of the sudden quarrel in the hallway, the popping out of an armed jack-in-the-box, the struggle, the slaying, the locking of Mrs. Osterich in a closet with the key outside, and the mysterious disappearance of the slayer back into his cubbyhole. Yes, it must be admitted, fiction has been outdone again. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. What a story though, right? That That's a really good story. I have been enthralled <laughs> the entire time and I hope our listeners have as well. Did you li- I know, we really try. <laughs> Did you listen to Kayla? Do you have any questions, concerns? Do you want to um send anything random to me? Let us know. Or if you have any ideas, if there's a murder you really want us to cover, or if you have any personal stories regarding murders we have covered, you can email us at info at highcrimepod.com. Yes, email us. We're so lonely. Please talk to us. And look, we like DMs on Twitter and Instagram and messages on Facebook. All of those accounts are just High Crime Pod. Real easy, real simple, real uniform. Slide into our DMs, please. Yes, slide into them. <laughs> Don't send us anything creepy unless it's a really cool murder or a fun fact about yourself that has nothing to do with um, uh, sexual nature. Creepy is cool. Come-ons are not. Yes, yes. Don't hit on our podcast because it's a podcast <laughs> pod um, 
Instagram. So basically you're hitting on radio waves. The podcast, and the podcast is single. The podcast is single. The podcast The podcast is forever single. She is an independent yep. lady. She's a radio yep. wave that really, really, really goes for it. Um, you can't fuck a radio wave yet. Let's, yeah. We're just going to end there. <laughs> um, please subscribe. Please give us five-star reviews. It really helps. I can't think of words right now. Um, elongate. It helps lengthen our life as a podcast because if you give us five-star reviews, people will see us mm. and we can just spread like a horrible cold in the springtime. Yes. Please, please, please like and subscribe. We promise nothing bad will happen to you. Um, Make us contagious. Yes, it's contagious. Like the measles. Get vaccinated. Subscribe. <laughs> now we lost all our viewers. I no, know, everyone's like very confused. But that's okay because so are we. So we're always confused because we're I'm for listening. I'm high on I'm high on life and you're high on sativa. On sativa. And after this, I'm gonna eat some shawarma and I'm gonna watch Top Chef season eight. After this, I'm going on a date with someone who said, Hey gorgeous, my day would be better if you were if we could meet up. And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> Good for you. Later. Later Bye. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, review. Subscribe, review. See you next time.